All right, we are in 2 Thessalonians, and we are in chapter 2, if you would turn there this morning. How many of you remember the commercial where the elderly lady falls, and she calls 911 and says, I've fallen and I can't get up? Yeah, a few of you that are over 40, maybe. The young guys, well, maybe you can catch it on YouTube. But anyway, there's this elderly lady that finds her advertising some kind of alert bracelet. And she falls and uh, she can't get up because of her age. And so, you know, that's the whole thing. I've fallen and I can't get up. Okay, well, we'll be right there. We'll we'll take care of you. This morning, we're going to talk about another kind of falling. And in the word, it's called the great falling away. But we'll get to that and get to more of that as we, uh, as we get going. Just a little brush up from where we were last week. Paul is extremely proud of the people in Thessalonica, in the church there in Thessalonica. Um, they were willing to surf, suffer, excuse me, for what they believed in. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Not too many people are willing to suffer at all. <laughs> we, we like our conveniences. But it's very rare that someone will suffer for nothing or for something that they know is absolutely wrong. He also encouraged them by reminding them that God was coming back. And as the Lord came back, there is going to be a judgment, if you will. There is going to be a rapture of the church and there's going to be a judgment of all of those who have decided that they could live their lives without Jesus Christ. Now, we often think that that's going to be one event, but it's going to be two events. The rapture, or what we call the rapture, people go, well, you don't see the rapture in the Bible. You do see a phrase where they use raptura, which means being caught up. We'll be caught up with the Lord, and that's where we get the rapture from. But there will be that catching up of all of those who have given our hearts to Jesus Christ. Now... Guys, I don't know about you, but I think that it's good for us. It's healthy for us once in a while to remember that the Lord says that there will be many who call me Lord, and he's going to say, I never never knew you. They're going to say, well, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we work in Sunday school? (laughs) Didn't we do these things? Didn't, Didn't we do all of these things in you? And he's going, but you really didn't do them in me. You did them as a religious work and forgot that it's a personal relationship with me. So you did it out of religiosity. You did it out of benevolence. You did it, did it not that, you know, he's not going to say this, but we're thinking, at least I'm thinking, that's not a bad thing to do things because you're a good person. But it's much, much different than doing them out of the strength and the power of God's Holy Spirit. So... Um, He's going to come and take the church. He's also going to come back as judge and jury of those who have rejected his son, Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, well, I have never really rejected God, but but, uh, ignoring is the same as rejecting. We might not think of it that way, but we do. How many of you have raised kids or are raising kids? You know how they love to tell 
you know, you catch them in something and you try to get them to tell you the truth and they tell you just enough of the truth. They hope that that'll satisfy you, but they really throw in a lot of other stuff that's not truth at all. And so even if it's a partial lie, it's usually a complete lie. So sometimes we lie to ourselves. There's a few things in life we don't like to think about. It's just our nature. We just don't like to think about it. One of them is death. We just don't like to think about it. We don't like to think about hospitals. We don't think about, we like to think about those that are suffering. We put it out of our mind as long as we possibly can. You know, and I, I try to tell my sons who are full-grown men that it's just a matter of time. <laughs> it's just a matter of time for all of us. And uh, as, as mom and dad, myself and my wife, as we get older, that time, you know, it begins kind of a countdown. And you wake up every morning going, praise God, I'm still here. So you begin to appreciate each one of those days. But we also, I think even when we're older, we look at it and we just, we just kind of try to push it out of our mind. Let's not deal with it yet. Let's deal with it when it comes up, if it comes up as though as some kind of miracle that the people that we love are not going to pass or that we're not going to pass. And I think we deal with Jesus sometimes in the same way. It's like, yeah, I've heard all that Jesus stuff. Yeah, I've heard about salvation. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'll put that off. I'm going to put that off as long as I possibly can because I'm young and I want to sin. I want to do the things, I want to enjoy the things I want to enjoy. And then when I get old or older, then I might consider giving my life to Jesus Christ. As I was talking to Lance this morning, uh, a friend of ours, Jim Baumkamp, that uh, we used to play music together with and in different bands together with, he just passed just a few days ago. He, uh, he had some, some cancers that he was dealing with. And you begin to realize how short it really is. So please, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, please give heed to the words of Jesus. Not my words, but to the words of Jesus. When he proclaims to be God, when he proclaims that he's the only way to get into heaven, please pay attention to those because it is real. If it wasn't real, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be up here. I wouldn't be doing this. I w there's not enough money enough compulsion in the world to have me get up here and tell you a lie, tell you something that is not true. Now, remember also, please, that the day of the Lord is not a single day. It is a period of time associated with God's outpouring judgment and the deliverance of God's people. That's two events. Now, this all leads him to the reason for the letter, and that is that they're getting false information. The church in Thessalonica is getting false information. You see, Paul would go from town to town, city to city. He would continue that. That was his life after he came to know Jesus Christ. And there was this group of people that would follow him around because, see, Paul taught about freedom. Paul taught about being able to enter into heaven no matter what race, no matter what culture, no matter what religion, no matter what church, no matter any of those. Those don't matter. Paul taught all you need is Jesus. Amen. All you need is Jesus Christ. But I mean truly, you let him live here. 
not just a figurehead, not just a statue, not just that little uh, you know thing on the dashboard, the, that bobblehead or whatever, or the uh, rosary or whatever you have in your car. It's it's not just that. Is Jesus in here? Those are maybe outward signs of your faith, or they could just be outward signs. So Paul's going along and setting people free by telling them about Jesus. And the religious establishment at the time hated him for that because it messed up their positions. It messed up their political uh, power, if you will. So they would come around behind Paul, and every time Paul would preach, people would get saved, and then they would do everything they could possibly be to do to destroy that person's new faith in Jesus Christ. So there are people saying, you know, what I have to tell you is from God, and then they would tell a lie. That happens today, right? You have people who says, thus saith the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been in a highly charismatic church, but a lot of times people will come up and tell you who to marry, and they tell you that was from God. Say, well, I hope God tells me, you know, that'd be nice to, to know. There's a lot of people, so there was prophecies going on, people claiming to be that, you know, doing this in the name of God, but the reality of it was they were false. They were wrong. And there were those who were writing letters and signing them as though they were from Paul. So they were getting a lot of outside influence to try to destroy their faith and to try to destroy the fact that these people were living in hope. One of the things that's the toughest to deal with, guys, in our faith, and that is suffering. I don't know of anybody that likes to suffer. That is the hardest thing to deal with. And putting suffering in with faith, it almost seems like the, the two don't merge. It's like, God, why aren't you answering? God, why don't you do this? God, I've asked you and asked you, and why, how come... But over here, you've got this faith that's unmovable. You've got this faith that says all things work together for the good of those who have given their hearts to the Lord, who love the Lord. And we're over here suffering or watching someone else suffer, and we're going, how does that, how does that work? Here's the thing, guys. Oftentimes, we won't know until it's done. But if we believe in all, our, all of our hearts that all things work together for the good of God, we have to stand in that and say, I can't see it, I can't smell it, I can't taste it, but I know that it's true because God's told me he works things for the good. And I'm going to believe that. I'm going to stand on that. And guys, if you're like me, you'll be tested with that every single time you see someone suffer. I do think that we grow in that. I do think we're able to hold on to knowing that something good is going to come out of that. And you may look at it and there's no evidence, there's no sign that it's coming out good. God, how could any of this be good? And he just says, trust me. Boy, that's tough. That's tough. And I think Jesus said it well when he was facing the cross. And he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He sees things we don't see. He knows things we don't know. Praise God for that. We can't see behind the scenes all the time to know exactly how he's measuring it all. But we have to measure our God by his word and by his promises, and he doesn't lie. So this is kind of what Paul is dealing with with the church in Thessalonica. He wants to clear up some of these things so that they can have confidence and to build their faith. So pray with me as we begin. Father, I know that some of us 
love you with all of our heart. Some of us believe in you with all of our heart. And there may be some of us who we're not sure. Maybe we've had a, a Christian upbringing, but we're just, we're just not sure. That faith of our family, maybe, or my, our mom and dad, maybe it hasn't completely translated, but it's not forgotten. We're kind of in that place. And Lord, there may be some of us that has just turned our back completely and said, I don't want any part of that. And by some miracle today, you might have some of those folks here. So Lord, I just pray that through your word, our eternity might become clear. I also pray, Father, that it may become clear that you're a loving God and that you do love us and that you do care for us so much that you sent your son your only son, to take away my sins, to take away our sins. So, Father, may you give us a heart that will listen and uh, maybe let that wall down a little bit today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it is from us as though the day of Christ had come. They're being persecuted. Now, when you're being persecuted, when you're in trial, when you're suffering, isn't I mean, let me rephrase that. Isn't that the time, let's be honest, that you begin to doubt God? I mean, Lord, I do my best. I try my best. I'm trying to be nice to people. Why would you allow this? Why do good things happen? Bad things happen to good people. Sometimes that's all of our question. But these guys are getting all kinds of garbage coming back in. You know, they're, they're new in their faith. They haven't had time to really get very rooted to be able to fend them off. Paul is their spiritual dad, and he loves them. He cares about them. So he's trying to correct some of these things that are going on. And uh, that word shaken, he says, don't be quickly shaken. Let me read that again. It says, concerning coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble. That word shaken, it, it means a ship that's in the sea and there's a storm and the waves are high and that ship is just being tossed to and fro. And a lot of people on those ships, and that ship is going, is this the end? Is this it? We saw it with the disciples, right? When Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And, you know, there's this, I'm sure this is conversation going, is he sleeping? He's sleeping. Look at him. He's sleeping. We're in danger of our life. We're going to capsize at any moment. And he's sleeping. I want that kind of confidence. But it doesn't belong to me. I don't have that. I got to get that from him. I got to get that kind of confidence. So he says, I don't want you to be easily shaken about like a ship in a storm in the middle of the sea. Then he says also by someone claiming to speak for the Lord by the Spirit, 
That's the thing that used to bother me. And, and my wife and I went to a charismatic church for, for, I don't know, for a few years. We were doing worship for the, uh, for the singles group in that group. And that was the thing that, that uh, was really hard for me to understand. Somebody would come up and say, I got a word from the Lord for you. And they would rattle off something and they say, God told me to tell you this. And they expect you to take that as though that really is a word from God. Our pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, who's gone, to, gone home to be with the Lord, what a track record that man had. But he used to tell us at conferences, someone comes up and tells you they have a word from the Lord for you. He says, now picture this, a stove. He said, you take that information, you put it on the back burner. If it, if it boils later, sometime in your life, you can go, hey, that was, that was, that was God. But many of those never boil. Many of those never come to pass. So it would be foolish to assume automatically that what I... And some of the things that they would come and tell you, some of the prophecies that they would give you, you're going, this is nuts. This is not biblical. This is in no way the Lord. So there are people who are claiming to be in the spirit and they're telling them that the rapture has already taken place. False prophets. Do we still have false prophets? Oh boy. They seem to be multiplying. And then he also says by someone who taught the word. Somebody who comes in and teaches the word. But they claim to be um, giving the same gospel. I was going to look it up and I just didn't have time in my study. And to, to, to find how many times it says, as you were taught. Paul constantly says, do the things as you were taught, as the things that you learned from me. Why is everyone always trying to rewrite God's word? We love the promises, right? We love all the name it and claim it stuff. We, we love that, but when it comes to suffering, it comes to hurting, it comes to faith, it comes to... Um, standing for the rest of our life in that faith, facing some of the realities of life, and even the simple stuff that God checks your heart. He checks your spirit. If you're an angry person, he deals with that. If you're a jealous person, he deals with that. And I don't know about any of you guys, but that kind of hurts sometimes. You have a cancer and it gets cut out. That hurts. It takes some recovery. And when God's word begins to cut that junk out of our lives, it hurts. And a lot of times we don't want to deal with it. We'll just, that's just the way I am. We'll change. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, but that's just the way I am. That's just the way I handle things. Okay, so you're a jerk and you want me to accept the fact that you're a jerk and you don't ever want to change. Being a jerk, that's just the way that you are. See, that doesn't make any sense at all. Do we have tendencies? Absolutely. That's why the Holy Spirit needs to work in our life to change those things. I watched my father-in-law go from a, from a very judgmental, angry man to the sweetest guy I think I'd ever met. That didn't happen because one day he just decided, hey, I think I'll be a nice guy. He didn't know how to be a nice guy. 
He wasn't trained to be a nice guy. He didn't know how to handle family matters and family issues. He didn't know what to do with his family. He did the best that he could. But when he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, the man changed. Changed radically. I'm the son-in-law, right? So I was the enemy for a long time. But when, when he received Jesus Christ, we became the best of friends. I loved making him laugh. And anytime I got a chance to sit next to him or my mother-in-law, I would love to sit next to him because I loved the stories and I loved to make them laugh. But God changed that man. If you're struggling with something, God can change it if you'll let him. He can completely exchange that old life for a brand new one. And as I said earlier, the letters, writing letters as though it was from the apostles giving false information. What does he say to do? Reject them all. Don't let somebody come in and shake your faith. Don't let somebody come in and try to tell you God's word is not God's word. Stick to what you were taught. Stick to what you know. When someone comes in with a new revelation, it's probably not new and it's probably not a revelation. So you have to question those things. All right, look at verses 3 through 5. Let no one deceive you. Have you ever been taken? Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever been taken? Yeah. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? The rapture of the saints. The judgment of God on the earth. That day will not come unless a falling away comes first. A falling away. Yeah, you might go, well, when, where, and how? Now. There's been people falling away for a very, very, very long time. That fall, it's sad because some of the greatest preachers in the world came out of England. Did you know that many, many, many of those churches were sold and turned into discotheques? Is that even a word anymore? Or turned into bars and dance, dance places. Rave places. Isn't that sad? Some of the greatest preachers in the world came out of there. And now, <laughs> there's not enough people to keep the churches alive. That's going to happen in America if it's not already happening in America. They almost, it almost succeeded with COVID. Now, without getting too far into that, but look at what happened. Emptied churches across the country. Only to find out many other things later regarding COVID. That day will not come unless a falling away comes first. Have you fallen away from Jesus? Do you know somebody that's fallen away? Someone that used to be maybe raised in the church, used to have, used to have at least a, a working faith in Jesus Christ, and now they don't believe in the Bible. It happens a lot to our youth. Right out of high school, they go to church right up to high school, and then when they graduate from high school, go off to college, 
and they get all this other stuff pumped into them, pretty soon they're not going to church. Pretty soon you have young couples saying, well, I don't believe in that anymore. Well, I don't believe in the church. I don't believe in the organized church. Well, I certainly don't believe in a disorganized church. I don't believe in the Bible anymore. And guys, I wish I was making this up, but I'm not, and it breaks my heart. And they've got a million reasons for it, but it's plain and simple. They're worship themselves. They are worshiping themselves. They want to go do what they want to go do without any restraints. And in the process, their parents will be to blame, their friends will be to blame, the church will be to blame, everybody else will be to blame. Do you know anybody who is that kind of an individual? Their life is a wreck, but they're never wrong. Everybody else is always wrong. So, the falling away, I believe it's going to get more intense. I mean, it, it says it right here. There, needs, there will be a great falling away. There will be many more people who fall away from Jesus Christ. You see, all you've got to do to purify those who truly believe and they don't is turn up the heat. If you turn the heat up high enough, those that are just in it to win it, they're going to go, nah, I didn't sign up for this. I've got to at least have a Costco around somewhere. Don't take away my big screen TV. Not football season anyway. Don't take, you know, I need this. The bigger the better. So he says there's a great falling away that must come first. And then, look at this, and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Paul saying, do you guys remember? I shared these things with you. Don't be shaken. I told you what was about to happen. But we get busy with life and we forget about these things. The great apostasy, meaning that falling away. It's the Greek word, apolo, uh, uh, excuse me, apostasia, uh, uh, I think is apostasia, is the word. And it means that great defection, moving. Don't, I don't believe in that anymore. I'm not going to put my faith in that anymore. I'm making a departure from the things of God. That's the falling away. So the day of the Lord or the rapture will not happen until this great falling away of the Lord takes place first. Now, guys, we, we can see it, but it's going, to, it's going to be big. It's going to be big, this great falling away. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3 says this. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Timothy, most of you know, that was the Apostle Paul's son in the faith. 
He was uh, awesome in the Lord, and Paul had shared the Lord with them, and he had given his life to the Lord. So Paul had pretty much nurtured him in the faith. He's become a, a young pastor, if you will. Now the Spirit says that in the latter times, some people will depart from the faith, giving heed to, here it is, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Am I immune to this? Is the church immune to this? Are Christians immune to the lies? Are we immune to the hypocrisy? Are we immune to the deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons? Well, I can say this. If you really love Jesus... It's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce wrong. You're playing, you're playing ball, right? If it takes a bad bounce, you're not going to get it. There's going to be something that occurs for the Christian. You're going to hear it and you're going to go, this is just not true. You're going to hear it and you go, this just doesn't feel right. Or you're going to hear it and go, this is not in the word of God. This, this is not there. So you have that certain amount of Holy Spirit protection in the Lord to guard from this. But there are those who have not put their faith in the Lord like that. There's just a, it's a superficial relationship. And they're going to hear this stuff and go, wow, that's interesting. I think I'll look into it a little bit more. I think I'll do more research into this area or this thing. And Jesus told us to be innocent as doves, right? He told us to be wise, wise as serpents, innocent as doves. So there has to be a certain amount of us going, look, I know that's a demon. I know that's wrong. I know that he's trying to hook me. I know he's trying to bring me back into a place where I was, and I'm going to have no part of it. Not anymore. I'm not going to do it. And it says they will be speaking in verse 2 of 1 Timothy 4. It says they uh, have their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, you guys that are ranchers or farmers, you know what that is. You've seen brands, even if you've seen it on TV, where they take that brand and shh, put it in the cowhide and, you know, it, the, the hair doesn't grow back and they've got their brand on there. So this searing of their conscience. What's the conscience? The conscience is what tells you if something's right or if something's wrong. When we get to the point to where we can't tell if something's right or something's wrong, we're in trouble. And I can almost promise you, God didn't move away. We moved away. We have to, in a world that we're facing, we have to know what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, because right now it's being turned upside down. What was right is now wrong. What was wrong is now right. How far does that go? I remember Pastor Chuck saying many, many, many times, he would say, you know, when somebody comes in and changes something in the Word of God, they start misinterpreting it. Where does that stop? You got to think ahead. Where does that stop? If I start saying, I read the word of God and it says, hey, don't do this. And I go, he didn't really mean that. Where does that stop? It doesn't stop. 
unless God gets a hold of our heart. We start compromising in so many things. And then here's a couple of things that they were doing at the time. In verse 3 it says, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Wow, now that's an interesting thing. I want you to think about it because we live in a time right now where everybody, it's all over the internet that everything you eat and drink is poisonous. And I don't doubt that maybe some of it is. But I want you to look at that. It says, abstaining from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, does that negate? Does that negate the stuff that's being pushed into the foods? No. The stuff that God created. And I understand that's why most people are going to, you know, growing their own tomatoes and moving out in the middle of nowhere and raising some chickens. And I get that. I understand that. But how about the ones who can't afford to do that? How about the ones whose grocery bill has tripled? Then they can't afford to do that. What do they do? Well... Same thing you do when you go get something from Taco Bell. You pray. <laughs> you pray. You pray over your food. You know, God's a God of miracles. You know, take this hot dog and make it into a steak. I, you know, do something. <laughs> do, do something here, Lord, because I'm doing my best. We're working hard. We're trying to make a living for our family, and we can just... We can barely get by, and we can't afford to get all the, all the best stuff. It just, but if you can, God bless you. If that's the conviction that God's put on your heart. Thanksgiving. God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. And don't go there, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> but here's my point. It's what comes out of his mouth. It's what comes out of his heart. That McDonald's may not be the best for you, but what comes out of our mouth during the process, or the next day, or the gossip, or whatever else, that's what defiles us. It's, it, it's not what goes in to the man. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. We know that that's coming. For men's, men will be lovers of themselves. That's interesting, isn't it? We've got so many different genders today, nobody knows which one's the right one. If you say the wrong one, you're a hater. I, you know, I, I'm sorry, guys. You know, maybe it's good that I'm getting older and getting closer to God taking me home because this world is messed up. All of my teachers lied to me in biology classes. They lied to me. Did you ever in your life think that you would, we would see this? It, lovers of themselves, that can be taken in many ways. 
Lovers of themselves. Do we still have people that are in love with themselves? Absolutely. Let, let me read it first. Men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers, lovers of themselves, check. Lovers of money, check. Bolsters, check. Proud, check. Blasphemers, check. Disobedient to parents, check. Unthankful, check. Unholy, check. Unloving, check. Unforgiving, check. Un uh, slanderers, check. Without self-control, check. Brutal, check. Despisers of good, check. Traitors, check, check. Headstrong, check. Haughty, check. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, check. Now, we are in those perilous times. That, that, I think we can say. Probably get more perilous, but we're in, that, we're in that perilous time. And then it says in verse 5, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then he says, From such people, turn away. Have nothing to do with them. <laughs> Having a form of godliness, what does that mean? Well, how many false gods are out there? How many people do you meet that say, oh, I'm spiritual? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual being. I go up and sit on a rock and meditate for hours. Well, that's fine. But you're wasting your time if it's not about Jesus. You'd be better off staying home and reading your Bible. Finding out who Jesus Christ is having a form of godliness. So that means they're religious or semi-religious people, but they're denying the power of God. Now that's the hard part. Turn away from these people. Well, but they're my friends. Those are the worst. Somebody who's not your friend is not going to have any influence on you. If they're not your friends, you're not going to listen to anything that they say. You're not going to take in the garbage that they spew out. But if they're a friend, you're going to listen. You're going to listen. You know, they say that husbands and wives begin to talk like each other and even resemble each other the older they get. And I feel so sorry for my wife. We usually change around the people that are not good for us before they change. We change before that. And you guys have heard me use this before. I think it was Spurgeon and he had a young girl that was talking about these kind of things, who to date and who to do this. And, uh, and he says, I, I, want, I want to do a little experiment. She goes, okay. So he gets up on a chair and he's, he stands on it and uh, he says, uh, okay, uh, now, pull, pull me off. Well, she can't, she can't pull him off. And uh, she gets up there, and he yanks her off. And he's trying to tell her, he says, you know, the one who has the evil influence, if you're not solid in God, you're going to be more vulnerable. You're going to be more vulnerable. We always think we can do it. Oh, I'm strong enough that I can do it. But I've watched so many people think they were strong enough, put themselves in a situation where they thought they were witnessing, and a short time later, they're not walking with the Lord. So guys, choose your friends wisely. Choose them well. 
Okay, 2 Timothy 3, verses 3, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. They won't endure sound teaching, but according to their desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will be turned aside to fables. Well, what does that mean? That means I don't want to hear what the Bible has to say. I want to find a teacher who will tell me what I think already. Do you know that we're so narrow-minded, we really probably won't even let anything come into our life that opposes our view. Now, if you're a Christian and you know that that's not right, that's not, that's not the Lord, it's not biblical, that's what we're supposed to do. But we've gotten to the place now to where if I'm on the edge or I'm not fully committed to God and somebody comes in and teaches something that goes, oh, homosexuality is okay. David, Jonathan, you know, got, they start twisting the scriptures and they go, ah, I like this guy. I need to find out more about that. And they get more and more lies and get further and further away from the truth. You know, the enemy loves to give kisses. But what does God say about the kisses of the enemy? It's better to have a friend who will tell you the truth even if it hurts. And we don't like it. I'm not saying we like it. Somebody comes along and says, man, you're being a jerk. What's our first reaction? Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, <laughs> my wife's been telling me that for 10 years and I'm really, I'm, I'm glad you told me. Now our first reaction is, hey, you want to go outside? Because <laughs> I'm never wrong, right? I, can't, I couldn't possibly be wrong. You've got to be the one that's wrong. For your own sake, for your own growth, for your own sanity, don't just have people who will tell you what you want to hear. You need those. You need some people to give you some attaboys once in a while, but you also need somebody that loves you and will risk your friendship to tell you the truth. If you have even one of those in your life, you're a blessed individual have that person who loves you enough to do that. And if you think about it, if you have that individual, you know that it comes from a place of love, even though it makes you angry. It's still out of a place of love. So immediately following this great falling away, a man will come into the world front stage, front and center, and uh, he is straight from the pit of hell. Here he's called the man of sin. The son of perdition, which means the son of waste and destruction. Man, we're seeing a lot of that, aren't we, these days? A whole lot of waste and destruction. You know, you're scratching your head going, why are all these cattle dying over here and dying over here? And why is fires breaking out almost instantaneously? You look at some of the Google Maps and you see some of the fires in Canada and they're instantaneous fires miles and miles and miles away from each other. You're going, what is going on? What is happening? Where's the money going that you're paying for gasoline per gallon? The reality of it is, I've said before, guys, whatever you're making now, it's probably been cut by a third. 
just over the last few years. Whatever retirement you have, whatever anything else, now you're having to pay more money for gas, you're having to pay more money for food, you're having to pay more money for absolutely everything, even back to, uh, you know, Taco Bell and Jack in the Box. They are, you can't go there. That's not a quick meal anymore. And you can't even get out of Taco Bell for less than 25 bucks. What? That's ridiculous. The only reason we go there is because it's cheap and fast, right? It's not because we would rate it top among the restaurants or it's fantastic food. So what do they think is going to happen? Eventually people are going, hey, if I'm going to pay this much money, I might as well just get a real hamburger somewhere. All right. Off that soapbox. This man will put himself in the place of God. He will say, you know what? You need to worship me. He will demand to be worshipped as God, and he will even seat himself in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to toss something out to you that I've hinted at before. And uh, don't, don't, you, please don't believe me. Do your own research. Find out if it's true. We need not be as concerned about the things that are open and out there. We need to be more concerned about what's behind the curtain. This man that's going to become this lawless man, the man of sin, the one that's going to take uh, stage, he'll be around a while. This is not like you're going to put him in there as a baby. He will be older. And he will be operating behind the scenes. And the people like us will be looking for a Messiah. They will be looking for someone who's going to solve the oil crisis. Someone who's going to solve the food shortage. Someone who's going to bring prices down. And we're all going to go, that's our man. Is it? Is it? Maybe, maybe not. What I'm saying is we've kind of got to look behind the curtain sometimes. We have a tendency as, as uh, individuals, we have a tendency to only look a few feet in front of us. We don't look anything around and see what's going on. So let's just say, and for, for the sake of nobody getting mad at me, let's talk not about this election. Let's say this one's gone. We got another one. We got another one. And someone comes on that, that actually promises to do all those things. Who are we going to vote for? And then he gets in office and he does those things. He solves the oil. He solves the groceries. He solves the this. He solves the that. And we're all going... I knew he could do it. That's my man. Or woman at the time. I, that's the person. I voted that one in. And about halfway through, about halfway through, he starts taking away all your rights. He starts taking away all your privileges. Starts putting you in a place where you're completely dependent upon him. And since the whole world, or at least most of the world, is worshiping him, he just decides, why not take the position of the, of the highest power? 
and he exalts himself as God. Now, please understand, I'm not pointing at either guy right now. I'm trying to get us to think about this. It's not always as easy as it looks, and it's not always as it seems on either side. So that's why we need God. How, how do you raise your family correctly? Without God, without morals, without principles, what do you use to raise your family right? Your buddies? <laughs> Maybe not even your own relatives. You might not have had that example. You might not know how. How do you learn how to be a man? How do you learn how to be a lady, a woman? How do you, how do you learn how to do any of those things? Oh, there's a million books out, out there, but about you know, a million of them are wrong. They're little pieces. But this book is never wrong. It's not wrong because Jesus inspired men to write it. How do you know how to be able to do any of these things? How are you going to know who to vote for? How are you going to know who's behind the curtain? If you don't ask God, he already knows. Okay. Satan said this, he says, for you have said, Jesus said this, Isaiah, it's in Isaiah 14, excuse me, 14, 13, it says, for you have said in your heart, talking about Satan, I will ascend to heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the further sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. We already know his agenda, we already know he's going to do it, and we already know that evil is in the world. And it's running rampant. And in Matthew 24, verse 15, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads this, let him understand. That abomination of desolation is the Antichrist desecrating the temple of God midway through the tribulation. Guys, it's not, it's not, a, it's the best story in the world, but it's not fiction. It's not fiction. Even Judas was referred to as the son of perdition. You know why? Because he became a man of sin for that short time. He believed the lies. And those 30 pieces of gold were worth more to him than his friendship and his relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, I need to move along here. And now you know what is restraining. Look at verse 6. And now you know what is restraining, that, we may be, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. We know that, right? We know the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, who is this? Who is this? This mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but there's something that's restraining him from having full reign. You know what that is, guy? That's us. That's Christians. That's, tr that's true believers. That's the Holy Spirit that lives inside the heart of the Christians. What, can you imagine what will happen when he takes the Christians, the true believers, out of the world? They're working on it now. They're working on it now. 
when God raptures the church because as long as the Christians remain, the Holy Spirit remains as the restrainer. Look at verses, verse 8 through 10. And then the lawlessness one will be revealed, whom the Lord has consumed with the breath of his mouth and destroyed from, with the uh, brightness of his coming. And coming of the, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, all signs, and lying wonders. Powers, signs, and lying wonder, wonders. This guy's going to be hard to detect because he's going to be doing things that only gods can do. Or Satan. And look at that, verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception amongst those who what? Guys, I don't want anyone to perish. You know, it, it would be a sad thing for us as a parent if we did everything we could for our kids all the way through their life. We shared with Jesus, Jesus with them, and they rejected Jesus, and you knew they were going to perish. That would be a sad thing. It's kind of the heart of a pastor. You think, you know, how many years? 20, 30 years, 35 years? however long the Lord keeps you on the face of the earth that you preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and teach and teach and teach and teach and there's somebody that perishes those who are perishing and I gotta ask are you perishing this is not a religious thing this is just between you and God and you say well pastor why, why do you care care. As much as I would care as one of my sons or my daughters, I, I knew they were perishing. And there was something I didn't say or something I didn't do that I could have said or done. Or maybe even a last, hey, I love you. I will always love you. No matter what. There in verse 10, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now you might go, well, why would God be the one that sends this strong delusion? Well, and I said this in the last teaching, if you've spent your entire life saying, I don't want God, I don't want God, I don't want God. Quit bugging me about church. Quit bugging me about Jesus. Quit bugging me about, just, I don't want to talk about it. Why would God put you in heaven when the entire life that you lived, you rejected him? Why? That's not logical. It's not sensible. It makes no sense at all. So those, it's kind of like Pharaoh. Pharaoh, yeah, you can go. No, you can't. Yeah, I'll set your people free. No, I won't. Yeah, you can go. Well, I changed my mind. All kinds of plagues. Yeah, you can go. Only when he was under pressure would he say, yeah, you can go. And then when that pressure let off a little bit, he'd go, no, you guys can't go. The, the verbiage that's used there with Pharaoh, it's like cement that is fine until you put water in it. What happens when you have cement and you put water in it? It hardens up. So Pharaoh already had all the ingredients, his heart just hardened. 
And there's a lot of people out there right now that their heart's in the same place. And God sends this delusion and they, and they go along with it because they're not strong enough. They haven't, haven't really committed to their life to the Lord. So they get deceived and, and uh, they reject the Lord. And that's the final rejection they're going to have. But he closes by saying, but we're bound to give thanks for you guys. You're loved of the Lord. We love you. And then he says, uh, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation, God has chosen every one of us in here for salvation. The only reason we wouldn't get it is we don't want it. But he's chosen us all and belief in the truth. And then again he says, to which he called you by our gospel, by the obtaining of the glory. Therefore, brethren, look at verse 15. Hold fast. Same for us. Therefore, guys, hold fast to what? Our TVs? Our house? Our kids? Now that one, that one rubs wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we hold our kids and love them. They mean the world to us. But everything else is perishing. So what are you holding fast to? The next promotion? Well, you may get it and you may not. Or you may get fired. Hold to what? Hold fast to the traditions which you were taught. Hold fast to those, whether by word or whether by letter, that you may know Jesus Christ himself. And he talks about that everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. And uh, guys, therefore, I'll say it again. This is the conclusion. Brethren, stand fast in the traditions which you were taught. Let's pray.